Distro hopping, the idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. My name is Tony. I live in the northwest of England. And I am Dale. I live in northeast Ohio. Welcome to Distro Hoppers Digest. We love checking distros out, new distros, new versions of older distros, and even some we may have overlooked. We each have our preferences in complexity, or desktop, or package management. Perhaps we can help you find a new distro, or better understand one which has piqued your curiosity. The idea of this podcast is that we will each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three or four weeks, and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials and tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. Tony and I prefer to look at distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. While I tend to take on the more advanced distros and give them a go. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we will also divulge what hardware we are using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, episode 24, recorded on July 14th, 2021. This episode, we're taking on Redcore Linux, Bliss OS, and doing a brief review of Pop OS 2104 and Linux Mint 20.2. We're happy to receive suggestions on distros you'd like us to try. Monthly foibles, wherein we discuss what we did this month. Well, school is out, so I'm not working or interacting with much of anyone. Although we did have two visitors this month, which is two more than most months. My mother's house got sold, so most of this month has been waiting on pins and needles for the estate to start making disbursements. I am no longer on Mintcast, so I've had more time on my hands and haven't done much with it. I've tried the occasional distro, but nothing new except for what I'm reporting on this episode. I did get a USB 3 card for my old HP Zia 800 workstation, which has tons of power but had no USB 3 ports. What's going on with you, Dale? Well, I was fitted with my new bifocal glasses, so the first part of my week was spent getting used to them. My computer use was less due to this because my eyes were getting tired. I ended up just watching more YouTube and Discovery Plus and some occasional messaging on my phone. I noticed later in the week that I was able to sit longer in front of my computer before my eyes got tired which is a little better than my old glasses, so that's a plus. I stayed at home most of the week, except for getting groceries and a trip to bring home a burger and fries from Five Guys. If you've never heard of them, they are a fast food restaurant here in the States that prepares food while you wait. You can watch them form the beef patties along with peeling and cutting the potatoes. 1,500 locations worldwide Although there are some rumors that they, uh, they're closing them recently, probably some COVID stuff related, maybe. So, my next favorite would be Chick-fil-A, I would, I would say. They're uh, another uh, common fast food restaurant here in the States, but they, uh, they focus on chicken instead of beef. In more computer-related activities, my desktop has been having some odd intermittent booting problems since I built it last fall. I figured it would get it sorted out with the kernel updates since it is a new, or was new, Ryzen 9 X with an X570 motherboard. I think I have a 3900X. 
Well, this time after nearly 20 minutes of waiting, it would hang on some kernel messages. This was new because before I would just get a blinking cursor up in the upper left-hand uh, part of the screen. I used my phone to record like a, a video of the uh, scrolling messages. After reviewing the video, I did some searching on the phrases that I saw the most often. I found out that it was the AS Media SATA controller on my motherboard. For some reason, MSI uses it for the first two SATA ports, with the remaining four ports controlled by the X570 chipset. In my searching, I found a comment thread on the Linux kernel maintaining list. It's the where all the kernel devs um, discuss uh, maintaining the kernel. And I just happened to find the, uh, the posting or the chat log of them actually adding this controller to the kernel. I also found some other forums discussing various issues with this, uh, with this controller. Long story short, this is a ASM1061. I just love these model numbers people give the things. It supports AHCI, which has been the standard for well over a decade now with a fallback to the basic ATA mode. Apparently it's a little buggy and sometimes it will fall back to ATA mode when it can't negotiate a connection using the A8CI. So I'm thinking SSDs do not like ATA mode because my Samsung was what I was trying. I have a Samsung uh, Evo 860, so I was trying to boot off of it. So what I ended up doing was just move it to one of the other four ports on the X570 uh, chipset. And shortly after turning on my desktop, I was greeted with the Pop! OS login screen. And this uh, past week, since getting home on uh, Monday, the uh, computer's been booting up fine. So we're just going to keep our fingers crossed that that is the uh, fix for my problem. So how about you, Tony? Yeah, so um, I installed the uh, 5.11.xx uh, kernel on my desktop after trying it on one of my Dell laptops, the E7440, without any issue. Albeit, I do not have a dedicated graphics chip in that PC. Anyway, <laughs> I decided to upgrade my main tower, and although not a major issue, it broke the NVIDIA driver, and I had to revert back to the open source driver for the screen resolution to work again. Uh, for me, not a major issue as the card is an old one. It's only got 256 mega RAM. But for those with a half-decent card that use the proprietary driver to enable uh, full functionality, this could be an issue. Uh, it's easy to roll back to your previous 5.8.xx kernel if you find you've got an issue. In Grub, just pick the uh, advanced option on boot and select uh, this in the menu or in the grip. Uh, if the Grub menu does not show, uh, you can use Grub Customizer to make the 5.8.xx kernel the first option on reboot. Just make sure uh, it's installed before you try the 5.11 kernel so that uh, it's available if needed. I've also recently spent a week at Woodbrook on uh, vacation, or holiday as we say here. Uh, while I was there, I've been spending a lot of time using the Endeavor OS laptop. And I've managed to get SnapD finally installed uh, and a few snaps installed on it. This is the uh, little Toshiba Z30, which is a very light and portable uh, Ultrabook. It was the PC I used for most of the week, apart from when recording uh, episode 
364 of Mintcast, which we uh, recorded while I was over there. And I used the Dell E6540 for that. You know, using a small screen as a podcast machine, because that's only a 13.4-inch uh, screen on the uh, Z30, uh, would have been a bit too much, whereas the other one's got a 15-inch screen. So as I said when I reviewed uh, Endeavor OS uh, just after its release, uh, I can actually live with this OS on a day-to-day basis. It is only the chance it might break, really, at any time. If you use AUR, prevents me making it my daily driver. But so far, I've had this little install for uh, three months or so, and it's not broken yet. Although now I've said that, you never know. Anyway... That uh, reminds me, I've actually not updated that uh, PC for a week, so I better get on that later. <laughs> so, uh, having spent a week using uh, mainly laptop PC, I'm starting to think that my next daily driver could very well be a uh, desktop replacement laptop. If I do, I'd have to have a docking rep- uh, solution uh, on my desktop to provide a full, full-size full monitor and all my peripherals permanently collected like the printer and stuff like that but uh, just being able to unplug the uh, dock and take it uh, the laptop out and away would be uh, quite handy and then I'd have all my normal software when I was out and about on the road so to speak wouldn't have to chop and change right I've got uh, bead on uh, well Owen is holding a T540 with a dock for me so that will be my next move. Ah, right. Okay. Oh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> so uh, the Z30, though, it's a real good laptop because the battery life on that is really, really good. I can get at least five hours out of it. Uh, whereas the Dell, the 15.5-inch uh, one, the battery, uh, I disconnect the battery when I'm using that. So, uh, you know, small size does have its... Uh, benefits anyway that's me for this month so shall we move on to updates updates where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed dale and i both have system 76 laptops so we have been waiting and waiting for pop os 2104 to come out featuring the all-new cosmic desktop the folks at System76 have gone all out to make GNOME 3 actually work well for all levels of users. We probably need to take some time here to comment on what we've learned. Dale, please tell us about some of the new features, and we can take it from there. Okay, well, COSMIC is actually an acronym that they came up with, which is kind of clever. It is Computer Operating System Main Interface Components. It is an update to the main shell component of PopShell, which doesn't include the uh, tiling and window uh, management features. It was run as a separate component. And they had some uh, new changes here with a customizable dock. Um, You can change the size of it and its position on the screen. Um, You can also adjust the height of it and and, and etc. You can also have it hide. Um, you can actually remove it all completely if you, if you don't want to use it at all. Another thing that they, uh, they did was uh, you could remove the application or the uh, workspace buttons on the panel. Um, you can move the time and date. You can uh, change the uh, super key to uh, launch either the applications 
workspaces or the new uh, run launcher. And in this new launcher, you can, uh, of course, launch applications. You can uh, do some uh, specific searches, and it'll all be on the show notes, or you can go to the Pop! OS uh, site to uh, read about them. The uh, other components are, uh, if you have a laptop, the uh, four-finger swiping, which I could never get the hand handle of on my uh, on my pangolin. I'm not really that real fancy for uh, touchpads anyways, but I use them. But uh, the other is, uh, they also included a maximize, and um, they still have the uh, minimize. You can add those to uh, all the uh, windows, which is something you don't have in uh, Villana uh, Gnome. So what I like most is the ability to uh, configure all these desktop components. I don't use the uh, workspaces application menu or the dock. I used to have the docs at the auto-hide, but I just found myself uh, not using it. I guess it's sort of like the out-of-sight, out-of-mind, and whenever it would pop up when, it, when something would activate it, I would figure, oh, yeah, I've got a dock, and so I just ended up disabling it. My current workflow in the past, I don't know, maybe five-plus years or so, has been using the uh, Super Keto Open Applications, and then just using the Alt tab to switch between them, using the uh, the CoverFlow extension on um, available on uh, the GNOME extensions. A number of the keyboard shortcuts that I can configure is quite impressive. I've been using the defaults and added some of my own. I tried the uh, tiling feature, and it it works well. I just I don't know. I just can't remember all those keyboard commands to uh, do everything. It's I would like more of something you can use a mouse to move the windows around, but have intelligent window management. So that probably would be a uh, a work in progress. Um, if you're using a tiling window manager like i3, then you'll probably like this workflow. Uh, if you prefer to use the i3 shortcuts, um, it's either going to take you a little while to get used to the uh, to their shortcuts, or you can actually go in and modify them uh, to what your window manager uses, like i3 or EWM or any of the uh, common ones out there. So what are your thoughts on this, Moss? Well, I still use the old paradigms of a desktop experience that most new users to Linux would be using. And I can say the new dock and many of the new features really makes Pop work better for new users or users who are used to a dock, and I like it a lot. Having just GNOME is the wrong thing for many users, and while Pop in the past added better features and more sane shortcut keys, this makes it really, mmm, Pop. I look forward to giving it more play on my Kudu. So, Tony, what's new about Mint? Yeah, well, uh, Mint 20.2 finally went to full release last week. I, Like I said earlier on, I upgraded the Dell. Uh, E7440 laptop to it. Sad to say the supposed improvements to uh, HP Lip have not resolved the issues with not being able to uh, use my uh, HP Color Laser 150NW with Linux. I've not had any issue with uh, any printers working in Linux for the last 10 years or so, particularly monochrome laser printers, but this one just refuses to work despite being seen by the system. So, uh, other than that, it seems a solid incremental update on the way to Mint 22, which will come next summer. So, unless you need any of the new features that have been included, which you can find uh, on the website, I would suggest 
if you're on current Mint 20 or 20.1, then there's little reason to upgrade. Also, the team recommend that if you need a stable system, uh, you only need to update to the LTS every couple of years when it's released, and then only if necessary. So, uh, yeah, I'd hold back if you if you're not really uh, interested in some of the uh, changes that have come with this dot release. Uh, but if you want the latest and greatest, go grab it and uh, see what it's like. So what about you, Moss? Well, don't forget that there's going to still be 20.3 coming down the pike. I know, but they're dot releases. Well, I have always used the dot releases, and they've always been worth it to me. I've upgraded my two machines with no issues. I tried to upgrade my wife's T430, but for some reason the update manager never got the update, so she's still on 20.1. So on we move to beautiful failures. Beautiful failures, what we tried and failed to install or run this month. I didn't try much of anything. I had a few failures I'll talk about later, but finally had a success, or was it? Dale? I didn't have any either. I was busy finishing my article on Mozilla Thunderbird for its moss. So, what about you, Tony? Well, uh, as I said earlier, I updated my tower to the 5.11 kernel. Since I did this, uh, and it was running, uh, I've got two uh, SSDs in my IC dot, one running 19.3, which I'm currently on, and the other one was running 20.1, but and that was the one that I updated to the 5.11 kernel. And uh, as well as the NVIDIA graphics driver not working when I'm uh, in this drive, I now get freezes, which totally lock up the PC when I start Firefox resulting in having to do a hard reboot. So I upgraded to Mint.20.2 and reversed, reverted to the 5.4 kernel, and it's not resolved the issue. So it's looking like I'm going to have to, uh, you know, do a clean install of uh, Mint20.2 uh, Marte later this week. I've started backing up all the data. I think I've, I've got most of it. So... Uh, when I get when I've finished editing the show later this week, I might start thinking about doing a fresh install uh, on that particular drive. So uh, I'll let you know what happens next show. <laughs> so shall we move on to uh, our first review and let Dale talk about uh, Redcore Linux? So this episode, I've got Redcore Linux Orion. So I copied the following from their website because it was about as good an introduction that I could do myself. And I quote, Redcore Linux is a distribution based on Gen 2 Linux, includes some stable and unstable, and a continuation of now defunct, I'm going to pronounce it, Kagoyan, Kagoyan Linux, uh, Kagoan Linux itself was a distribution that was initially based on Sabian Linux and later on with uh, Gentoo Linux. And it was developed by Rogent or Rogent OS Development Group since 2011. Gyan Han Manmut is the uh, developer. He also goes by, in Elite Speak, V3N3RIX. Venerix. Venerix? Okay, works for me. 
I never got into the whole lead speed thing. In any case, he joined uh, Rogent uh, OS Development Group in January of 2014. However, after about five years of development, Rogent Developer Group decided to discontinue Kojin Linux in November of 2016, and so Redcore Linux was born. End quote. So just FYI, Sabian is a Linux distribution that was based on Gentoo. Kagoyan Linux is based on both Sabian and Gentoo. I read that it was released for educational use primarily for Romanian users, in, obviously in Romania. Their website was in Romanian, so I had to use the uh, Google Translator to translate that. So I'm hoping to uh, do a correct translation on that using the, uh, the sources at hand. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Gentoo, it is a source-based distribution that uses a rolling release model with some binaries for applications that have no source code available or would take a considerable amount of time to compile for some, but not all people. There is no installation program. As the Gen 2 uh, handbook states, you are the installer. You start with a bootable ISO that provides you with just the command shell. And from there, you just follow the instructions in the handbook, compile more software than you ever thought was humanly possible. I've heard people taking days to install, although this does largely depend on your computer speed, your CPU speed, and uh, memory, though I don't think memory has as much to do with it with just the raw uh, speed of your uh, processor. For those of you that are familiar with Gen 2, Redcore is created from a Stage 3, and he provided the uh, kernel, Drakut, which is a NetRamFS generator, Dbus, which is a common uh, communication system for services and applications, and OpenRC, which is an init system um, that is uh, used on our, uh, our systems. It uh, replaces like SystemD, or the original system um, V init from Linux in the past. So my hardware this time is my Lenovo T430. It's the uh, dual core variant with an i5-3320M, 2.6 gigahertz processor, got a 14 inch display using the uh, Intel graphics, and it has uh, four gigs of RAM and a 240 gigabyte SSD. So for installation ease and issues, while Gentoo uses no installer, Redcore makes it easier by using the Calamaris installer, which is uh, commonly used in many uh, Linux distributions. So needless to say, it's a pretty standard install for the most part. I did notice two things during the installation. The checkbox for login automatically without asking for a password was already checked. Usually that's uh, not checked. Usually in other uh, distros, I, I found anyways, I can't say for every distro. The second was the length of time it took to install. Once you make all of your choices and you click begin installation, prepare to wait about 30 minutes. Though I do want to mention that when I installed Redcore on my T460 to uh, test the uh, dual booting uh, functionality, my uh, T460 is a 6th gen Intel i5 with 16 gigs of RAM 
and that install only took about 15 to 20 minutes. So I'm thinking the additional memory, maybe the faster CPU helped with the install. Now the uh, post-installation harbor facts and issues. Well, I didn't have any. Everything was detected and working on, uh, on boot up. For uh, ease of use, Redcore is using a custom compiled kernel using 5.11.22. He's also using a KDE Plasma version 5.21.5 with frameworks 5.82.0 and QT 5.15.2. I find it annoying when people call that cute. <laughs> it's not cute. <laughs> anyway, they're using Xorg's X11 server, which is what many other Linux distributions are using. Wayland is available if you want to install, compile, and configure it for use with uh, its required applications, etc. Upon logging in, you are presented with Plasma using the Breeze theme. The quick launch bar next to the application menu. Menu launcher offers the uh, Discover, Dolphin, you know, the File Manager, and Firefox. The system tray has the usual icons like your speaker, volume, and network connection, and battery, and etc. And your calendar and whatnot. When it comes to using the root privileges on Redcore, it does not use sudo. And I checked when I did the test for uh, dual booting. I tried toggling that uh, login without password in that, and it still it doesn't install sudo. You have to use su. Um, this is common for Gen 2. Yeah, I'm thinking these roll-your-owns, I don't think they like sudo, I think. Because um, SU is really, when I started in the Linux 25 so years ago, SU was the way you did it. Even though sudo was created, it just wasn't commonly used. But uh, I uh, pref preferentially use sudo space hyphen, because that actually does the login shove, as if you logged in as root, so you get all the paths and everything. So it just works better, in my opinion. But in any case, you just use your user's path. This is the weird thing about it, is you used your own password to use SU, which usually you would use root. So it's a, to me, it's just weird how they uh, have it set up, which is probably normal back then, but that was 25 years ago. <laughs> If you want to, you can install sudo and, and set it up. So anyway, since it is based on Gentoo, which uses source code and patches to update packages, Discover is really only needed to install the Plasmoid, which is the widgets in Plasma, and the uh, add-ons to the Plasma uh, applications. Though there are some packaged binaries that are too large for frequent re recompiling, if you're familiar with Gentoo, you'll be happy to know that they have eMerge, which is part of the uh, portage management system that is based on the BSD port system. I spoke about that during my uh, free BSD 13 review last episode. Emerge is the command line utility that installs, removes, updates, and builds packages from source. For package installation, removal, and updates, the commands are simple, but some don't make any sense, which is common in Linux occasionally. To install a package, type emerge package name. If any dependencies are needed, they will be automatically installed. To install a package and update all packages it depends on, type emerge hyphen u package name. To update a package and all the dependencies, type emerge 
space hyphen u capital D package name. The D apparently means deep. To remove a package, you would type emerge hyphen C package name, or you could use, I like this one, emerge unemerge package name. To search for a package, type emerge hyphen S and the keyword, or you type emerge capital S and you can search for a description. So apparently they separated out via contextual searching. To sync the local uh, package database, you type emerge sync, you know, space sync. System updates are split up into system and world, where system is the base Linux system and world is pretty much everything else. To do that, you just type emerge space hyphen u capital D world or emerge space hyphen u capital D system. So I'm not going to explain how Portage builds packages from the source that would take really too long to uh, explain and really wouldn't be that interested unless you're obviously interested in that. If you'd rather use the GUI or the GUI, there's a utility called Sisyphus. Other than being a unique name, I have no idea why you would name your graphical package uh, manager that. If you're not familiar with that name, the short version is that it comes from Greek mythology. Sisyphus was given a punishment of pushing a boulder up a hill for eternity, only to have it roll back down again. You can search for this on your own for the full story, though. I guess you could say it fits the rolling release model of this distro. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'll show myself out. Yeah, dad jokes. Anyway, uh, Sisyphus works well. It looks similar to Synaptic, which is a, a GTK package manager that's used with uh, Debian's deb files or Red Hat's RPM files. Sisyphus only works with packages. Anything that is not available in the package archive will be needed to be compiled with the uh, ported system. This is because Sisyphus is a wrapper that uses some of the utilities of the ported system, which includes the, uh, the uh, merge command that I mentioned before. It was created to mimic the functionality of apt or similar uh, package managers. One thing you will find missing in Plasma is the package update notifications. To find out if you have updates, You'll need to open Sisyphus or check manually in the uh, in the uh, terminal with the uh, uh, the emerge command that I uh, spoke of uh, previously. Package and system updates will not be quick, since Gen2 is a source-based distro. All updates are, are patches, which are made to the source code of, of each package. That means that you are compiling every package from source. And if you've never compiled anything, it's basically scrolling text. It's pretty much like watching you know, the old uh, Linux booting up um, before they had the uh, splash screens. Given that this is a rolling release model, you have a lot of updates. On my T430, 460 updates took about three hours, though honestly, I lost track after about two hours. I measured the time when I had 153 packages, and it took about 40 minutes. Though, keep in mind, this all depends on the size of the packages need to be updated. I have seen 43 packages take two and a half hours. 
This also depends, you know, again, on the speed of your CPU and uh, amount of memory. If you're using a laptop, please make sure that you have plenty of ventilation because it will get warm. Packages, because of the rolling release model, are most current or within a point, you know, point revision away. Firefox was at uh, 89.02. Uh, LibreOffice was 7.1.4-2, and let's see, VLC, what I have written down, 3.0.16, release 2, and Telegram 2.8.1, which, oddly, Telegram, I think, was almost a subversion newer, which I thought was kind of odd, but anyway. Some applications are not available as a package, so you're going to need to use the ported system to download, compile, and build the uh, package from source. You can use Flatpak or Snaps with Redcore. You will, however, need to install and configure and compile the required packages to use them. And using Snaps will be a much more involved process, as it requires SystemD and AppArmor to function. Both Redcore and Gentoo uses OpenRC for its init system, and Snap requires SystemD. Memory and Disk Use the free-h lowercase h command shows 446 megabytes in use, with about 13 gigabytes of space used on the uh, SSD. Ease of finding help. Redcore has an IRC channel on Libera, pound sign Redcore Linux, and some people call it hashtag. Also, Facebook page, which I don't do Facebook, so I don't know anything about it. And you can also directly email the developer available from his uh, website. Though not mentioned, you can also use the documentation available on Gentoo's website. I use the Gentoo website for most of my questions and answers. He has He's starting a wiki himself, but it's not very filled out yet, which I'm sure if you're into Gentoo, you can probably contact him and uh, help him out about that. Oh, and I also want to note that in the ISO that I used, the uh, desktop link for the IRC still points to Freenode, so you're going to have to uh, change that to uh, Libera. Plays nice with others. Dual booting is very simple. The Calamaris installer detected the Debian installation. You are given the regular options of replace the uh, selected partition with Redcore or resize the drive and install Redcore in that available free space. Stability. Even though it is based on a rolling release model, it is reported to be fairly stable. Considering it is the base for Chrome OS, there is some merit to this possibility. In my usage, I didn't notice any issues. In my experience, not all rolling release models are questionably stable or unstable. It comes down to how much testing and review of the code is done before it's released. That is the difference between rolling release and bleeding rolling edge release. Similar distributions to check out. I think it's uh, Boca, Boca Chino, is how you pronounce that. I think Moss told me that. Which is a distro merged on Sabian and Funtu projects, which are all based on Gentoo. Now on to the ratings. Ease of installation for a new user is 10. Experience user, 10. I mean, it's very simple. Commodus and uh, installer. Hardware issues is 10 out of 10. Ease of finding help for the community and web, I'm going to say 5 out of 10. 
Ease of use, 5 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. And the stability, 10 out of 10. With an overall rating of 8 out of 10. Final comments. I would take that score of 8 with a bit of caution. The use of Sisyphus makes package management easier, at least for those that don't like the command line. But it doesn't mean you can get away with not using the command line or the portage system. Portage itself features quite a learning curve. That is why I gave a 5 for ease of use, which is for an experienced user, I'd say, not, uh, not familiar with compiling uh, source code you know, software. The rating can easily fall to a 1 or a 0 if you are a new user or um, not familiar with uh, compiling. Another reason for the low score is that the fact that Depending on the speed of your CPU, you will spend hours, and I'm not exaggerating, waiting for package updates to be compiled several times per week. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. If you want to learn or already have the skills to configure and compile software, I would say Redcore is the distribution for you. So let's move on to Moss on his review of Bliss OS. Okay, I'm reviewing Bliss OS 11.13, which is Android 9. Bliss OS. With a name like this, you just know I had to review it. I've been more than moderately disappointed with the Inspiron 13-7353, as the touchscreen seems to be wasted on this machine for most distros, and the keyboard is quite poor, at least for the way I type. This OS promised to turn my laptop into an Android tablet. Yes, I have an Android tablet, but if this worked, I would have a fast tablet, and a 13-inch one at that. My hardware is the Dell Inspiron 13-7353, 6th generation i5 and Intel graphics, 8 gigs of RAM, and a 128 gig SSD. Installation ease and issues. I installed this three times using the Ventoy stick, and each time it said it installed correctly and had written grub, and each time I rebooted and was told that no boot sector was found. The first two times were using UEFI, the third time was using Legacy Boot. Someone suggested to me that the problem might be that the Ventoy stick itself was UEFI, so I burned it to an old USB 2 stick and ran the installation on Legacy Boot. It installed fine and ran. Post-installation hardware facts and issues. There is very little information about this distro. No tips and tricks for using it, no suggestions for apps, nothing. There are several YouTube videos on installing it, but they get as far as installation, show off a couple pretty screens, and end there. My biggest issue has been the on-screen keyboard. It should stay off the screen unless I'm in tablet mode, and then activate when I'm presented with text to be entered. What it does is stay off the screen entirely, or stay on the screen regardless. It's on all the time, or off all the time, whether I'm in tablet mode or using it as a laptop. I did get a lot of Android apps installed, and they did seem to work so long as I kept the machine in laptop mode and left the on-screen keyboard off. Because of this, I also tried the beta of 14.3, which uses Android 11 as its base, but it turned out to be not de-googled at all. And the idea was to use something that wasn't Chrome OS. Ease of use. If you could figure out how to use it, it could be easy. I've managed to load the two desktops which come with it, as well as Nova Launcher, but I still can't change the wallpaper. As I hinted above, this might be considered a failure, except for the fact that it installed and it runs. 
Memory and disk use. I did not find an app which would reveal memory use. Total disk use was 8.2 gigabytes. Ease of finding help. I found a few videos. The forums are GitHub only and are not very clear or well staffed, showing a lot of questions but few answers. The help files are few and not very helpful. I guess they just assumed that you knew how to use Android 9 and that the system worked well. Plays nice with others. I am intentionally using it as a single installation on this computer. I don't think you would want to try to dual boot real Linux with Android. I doubt it would work well, but that's not the point. There are accounts on the internet of running it as a dual boot with Windows. Stability. It did not crash at any point while I was using it, but I was never sure I was finding what I needed. I honestly did not use this distro very much, despite having it on my computer most of the month, which was caused by the fact that I couldn't get very much to work when I took the time to try. Similar distros to check out, Chrome OS, Gallium OS, Prime OS, and Phoenix OS. Ratings. Ease of installation, new user 5 out of 10, experienced user 6 out of 10. Hardware issues, 9 out of 10. Ease of finding help, community and web, 0 out of 10. Ease of use, 5 out of 10. Play is nice with others. And A, stability, 9 out of 10. Overall rating, 6 out of 10. Final comments, this distro is not ready for daily use. You would think that AOSP has been out long enough now, but your options are either raw AOSP or Chrome slash Chromium OS. Bliss OS has come a long way, but they don't seem to have enough devs to really move this forward. Let's move on to new releases. New releases since last episode from June 10th to July 13th. Absolute 2021-0628, SME Server 10.0, Nitrix 2021.06.29, Network Security Toolkit 34-12743, Rocky Linux 8.4, Android x86 8.1-R6, SUSE Linux Enterprise 15 SP3, Q4OS 3.15, Deepin 20.2.2, KOS 2021.06, Pop OS 2104, Makulu Linux Flash 2021.06.29, Kodachi 8.6, Open Mamba 2021.0701, Arch 2021.07.01, Nutix 21.07.2, RDS 16.0, VZ Linux 8.4, Proxmox 7.0 VE, Berry 1.35, Arco Linux 21.07.3, KDE Neon 2021.0708, Linux Mint 20.2 UMA, Endless OS 3.9.5, T2SDE 21.7, Robo Linux 12.07, XTix 21.7, Easy NAS 1.0.0, Blue Star 5.12.15, Solus 4.3, Euro Linux 8.3, Tails 4.20, and PC Linux OS 2021.07. Announcements. Our next episode will probably be recorded around August 18th, depending largely on Dale's schedule. For chatting with us further, you may choose to join our 22 users in Telegram, our 53 members on MeWe, or the six users on our new channel in Discord. Where can our listeners find you, Dale? I'm at Dale 
underscore CDL on Telegram, Matrix, and Discord, you need pound sign 9433. And my email is dale underscore CDL at pm.me. Tony, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, you can hear me nearly every week on Meatcast, and you can contact me at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. I'm also on Hacker Public Radio. I'm host ID 338, if you want to go and listen to some of my old Hacker Public Radio podcasts. I'm on Twitter at TonyH1212 and TH at Meatcast.org. And you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News. Reach me as at Zyvala on Telegram, at Zyvala at hosttux.social on Mastodon, at Bardic Triad on Twitter, and email me at Zyvalananda at protonmail.ch and find me along with Dale and Dylan at itsmoss.com. We would like to thank the Mintcast crew for the use of their mumble room. My work here or on Full Circle Weekly News and itsmoss.com can be supported by joining my sponsors or by direct donation through sponsors or PayPal. Thanks to supporter Firecat and helpers SK Beans, Lennox Lava 114, and John in Glasgow. I am very grateful for all donations which have been or will be received. Before we go, we would like to thank all those who have made this project possible, starting with the Minkcast crew for allowing us to use their Mumble server and Discord group archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program audacity which we use to record and edit the show joshua lowe for work on our logo all those who work on the teams which are creating adapting and maintaining the linux distros we have reviewed this episode mid-air machine creators of the song streets of santivo used as our music under creative commons license thanks to linus torvalds for the kernel Richard Stolman for the GNU Toolkit, and all those who have worked hard behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>